listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. My name is Chelsea, like Ryan said before. Um, I get to work on staff here with TLR, but I only came on this team about a month ago. And so the reality for me and for you is that I don't know 95% of the people in this room and 95% of you probably don't know who I am. Um, So real quick, I need to know who I have in the room with me. I need to know, where are my Bachelor Nation people in this room? Yeah? Okay, okay. It felt a little weak, but it's okay. You are my people. Um, I also need to know, is there anyone in the room who last night during the Braves game you were watching The Bachelorette? Anyone? Yes? Okay, Lauren Grunz. Thank God, because me too. Um, But... If you know anything at all about The Bachelor, about The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, you would know that in the beginning of a season, they go on these one-on-one dates, and these people have maybe known each other for about a cumulative 15, 20 minutes, and they sit down across the table from each other, and they share some of the deepest parts of their souls and their lives like it's nothing. And I honestly kind of feel like that's what's happening in this moment. Um, so I'm just going to pretend that we are sitting one-on-one on a bachelor date. That's a little weird, but that's where I'm at. That's how my head works. Um, and I'm going to share a, a part or parts of my story. And I, I hope that in that, Maybe you will hear something that is relatable for you, um, or maybe you will just feel the permission to share a part of your story in response. So thank you for being willing to let me do this, to share anything at all. Um, I'm really excited to be a part of this TLR fam, um, and I'm excited to be here. So we're just going to jump in the deep end, because that's what they do on The Bachelor. Um, So, like I said, I'm Chelsea. I grew up around here, about 10 minutes from here, up the road. Um, I went to North Forsyth High School, Raider Nation, all the way. Um, Yep, I see some Raiders in the house. Um, But when I was growing up, I had quite a bit of brokenness in my home, just brokenness in my family that I didn't really know was there until I got out of it. Um, A couple of different things played into that for me. My dad was a preacher before I was born um, and had a really bad experience in the church. And so by the time I came around, by the time I knew enough to be paying attention to what was going on in the world, my, my parents didn't go to church, and they really believed that church people weren't to be trusted. So I grew up with this belief that church people weren't trustworthy People. Now, I knew about Jesus, but I knew the bare minimum. Like, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on a cross for my sin, and he rose three days later. That was my understanding of Jesus. That's all I knew. Sorry, I need a little water there. Um, but for me, church was just not, it wasn't a rhythm in our life. So that's a piece of my story in my home. Another piece of my story in my home is I'm the youngest of three. Any, any youngest children? Raise your hand. Yeah, we're together. I'm the youngest of three, and I have two older brothers that are pretty significantly older than me. Uh, my middle brother is 10 years older than me, 
And then my oldest brother is about 14, 15 years older than me. And um, when I was growing up, my brother, when he was in high school, came out to my parents and let them know he's gay. And so that was a piece in my home that was going on that I didn't really know because I was about five or six years old. And that was a really hard thing for my parents to navigate. Uh, I don't know if they handled it the best way. It was a hard thing for my brother to navigate because the church that they were um, a part of did not respond really well. And there was some tension in our family that was felt in my home, but I had no idea what it was about. The third piece for me of brokenness in my home uh, is my mom has bipolar disorder and for the majority of my life has been a substance abuser. So if you are not familiar with bipolar disorder, it's a mental illness where someone experiences um, extreme emotions or, or mood swings. So most of my life, I just didn't know really what to expect when I walked through the doors in my house. I spent 90% of my time with my mom. Uh, my dad traveled uh, two or three weeks at a time and would come home on the weekends. My brothers were so much older that they had moved out of the house. So it was just me and my mom. And a lot of my childhood life was a really unstable, um, unsafe place for me. But when you're a kid, you don't know that. Everything that's in your house when you're a kid feels normal to you because it, it's your version of normal. So for me, I had no clue that these things were going on around me, that this brokenness existed in my home, but I was experiencing the symptoms of that brokenness. Fast forward um, in my story, and I show up to high school as a girl who is really uh, empty, who is... Um, looking to everything in the world around me to find what I didn't have at home. I felt really alone. I didn't feel seen in my home. I didn't feel taken care of. And so I showed up in high school looking for that in every possible place that I might find it. And, and for me, that looked like, uh, like real-life Regina George Mean Girls style, uh, putting people down for the sake of rising myself up. Um, that looked like drinking myself into blackout on a pretty regular basis. That looked like clinging to boys and relationships to make myself feel worthy uh, and using my body in the process as a means to an end. I was just lost. And I didn't know because I really didn't have a ton of spiritual guidance at home, and, and I didn't have a big former knowledge of Jesus. So at that time, I, I'm kind of just lost, waiting through life, looking for something to fill the void that I felt, and I was showing up to Brownsbridge Inside Out at the time because it was the cool place to be, because maybe there were cool people there, or there was a boy that I was interested in. Like, that was my total focus. And at that time, I would show up on Sundays, raise my hands and worship, love every minute of it, but I would be high at a party the night before. And I didn't see anything wrong with any of that because I, I just didn't know. I thought, well, I can love Jesus. I, I can love alcohol. I can love weed and boys. And why do any of those things 
need to be mutually exclusive. That was just kind of the life I was living. That year, there was an opportunity to go on a mission trip to Londrina, Brazil. Maybe you've been on a mission trip before. I'm 14, 15 years old. Not in this exact room, but a, a room that is, used to be really close to this. And I see them play this video on the screen. And I'm like, why would I not want to go to Brazil? That sounds amazing. I bet I would get awesome pictures for my Facebook. Instagram wasn't on the scene at the time. I'm like, that would be awesome. I'm not thinking about serving other people at all. I'm, I'm totally thinking about serving myself. But I sign up for this mission trip, and I show up, and I fall in love with these people that are there. I fall in love with these Brazilians. It was like a, um, an awakening for me. I think probably the first time I had felt true joy and happiness in a long time because the darkness in my house was so pervasive. And so I came back from that trip thinking, I love Brazilians. I can't wait to go back next year, and I'm excited to get back to my life. And that's what I did. I came back, and I partied some more, and I got in a lot more unhealthy relationships, and I put other people down, and, and I sought myself, all of my selfish ambitions to fill the darkness in my heart, to fill the void I felt. That following summer, I did get to go back to Brazil, praise Jesus, and I showed up on the trip. I was high a few days beforehand. I show up on this trip. And for the first time, I'm like, something feels off. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't feel the happiness I felt last year. Something feels different. Um, I looked around at all these people on my, on my team, and I thought, these are really incredible people. They, they're obviously following after Jesus. They treat each other well. And I have been lying to all of these people because that's not who I have been. And I, I don't deserve to be here was the thought that played over and over in my mind. So my mission trip leader at the time, because I showed up to Inside Out every Sunday, thought I was this um, sold-out student for Jesus. Just a, He would call me superstar all the time. He had asked me to share my story, ironically enough, on that Brazil trip. And I found myself in the middle of the trip, like, I shouldn't be here. And I for sure shouldn't be sharing my story because I have been living my life as a mess. And so I go to my, my, my trip leader and I say, Kelly, I am so sorry, but I can't share my story because who you think I am is so far from the truth about who I have been. I told him, I feel like I have been running from God. If you're looking for someone who's been following God, it's not me because I have been doing nothing but running from God, and I, and I, I can't do this. And Kelly looked at me. I'll never forget it. He was incredibly gracious, and uh, he said, Chelsea, you know, I think that running from God is sometimes like running on a treadmill. You think that you're getting further and further from him, but he's just standing there right next to you, waiting for you to press the stop button. He said, I, I bet you've been really tired running on that treadmill, 
And Jesus isn't going to force you off. He's not going to pull you down. But he will stand there and wait for you to decide it's time. And when, and when you're so tired you can't run anymore, he'll be there to catch you. And, and I think that's where you are right now. And for me, that was such a wake-up call because I saw myself as the most undeserving, unworthy, stained person. And to think that Jesus would have been waiting for me that entire time, just pursuing me, showing up for me, ready to catch me when I would press the stop button. And I didn't have to run back. I didn't have to do anything to get back to him. It blew my mind. And so I on that trip, I think I realized what the grace of Jesus looked like for the very first time, and I realized how much I needed it. And because I couldn't believe that it was for me, that God would do that for me, it was like, how could I not follow him? All of these things I had been doing, all of these things that I'd been looking to to fill the void, they had done nothing but leave me more empty And so I finally recognized there's only one thing that is going to fill that void, and it's Jesus. And so um, for me, that was that moment of I'm going to follow. This is my my everything. And I came back from that trip, and I really decided to change a lot of things in my life. Maybe you've had a moment like that before. But I'll be honest, I think... We think about these moments in our story and we think, oh, we decide to follow Jesus and it, then it's all linear from there. Like it's all, it's all up, uphill. And we all know that's just not, that's not fully true. I came home and a lot of the things in my life still existed. My relationship with my mom was still really confusing my relationship with my brother and my brother and my parents was still really messy and I wasn't sure what to do with that. My mom spent some time in a mental facility uh, in some of my later years of high school. I went back to some relationships I never should have been in. But the difference this time around was that every time I stumbled or every time that life knocked me down, Jesus was right there to pick me back up, and I would just keep on following. I would follow Jesus and kind of stumble along the way, and I think that's what we do. We decide that we're going to point ourselves toward him, and we're not going to get it perfect. And that was my story very much um, in my later high school years and then college. I showed up at the University of Georgia uh, my freshman year, and I remember I felt so alone and so awkward. Like those first few weeks of freshman year, everyone's just trying to make friends, and I had never had to do that before. I grew up here. I grew up with the same people. I'd never experienced this. Like I have to introduce myself to I have to sit with random people in the lunchroom to make friends. Like so weird, lunchroom, dining hall, whatever you call it. And really quickly in college, it was easy to go back to those old patterns of escape, fill the void. So I say all that to say, I think, I look back at my story, a lot of that being my high school and college years of not knowing Jesus, finding out the goodness of Jesus, deciding to follow Jesus and stumbling along the way, 
And I think if there's anything at all that I can look back and recognize, it's two things. For me, one is that my constant temptation to want to fill the void with all the wrong things. I learned along the way that there is nothing that can satisfy, that can fill, that can mend the broken pieces in my story apart from Jesus. None of those other things were ever going to do that for me. But I also look back at my story and my story now as I continue to stumble in the direction of Jesus, working in ministry, being married, y'all, that's hard, about to be a mom, I'm pregnant, crazy town, yeah, I know, it's wild. All these things in my story, you know, I see my my temptation to, to choose anything other than Jesus in the face of fear, in the face of brokenness, in the face of hardship, to choose control, to choose a relationship, to choose an escape. I see when I do that, but I also look back at my story and I see so many times where Jesus stepped in on my behalf and put the right person in my story at the right time. Before I ever wanted to know him, he was pursuing me. He had all of these things laid out for me. And so when I look back at the brokenness in my story, I see far more victory because, God, if it weren't for Jesus, there's no way I would be sitting in this room with any of you tonight. And my story wouldn't, wouldn't matter if it weren't for what he'd done. So I, I, one thing for me that... Uh, I love to do is I love to meditate on a psalm in the morning. When I wake up in the morning to just kind of set my direction in life, especially now as I'm preparing for a baby, it can be a really, really fearful time. If I'm being really honest, my faith has been really shaken in this season. And so I like to wake up in the morning and read a psalm just to set my heart and my mind on Jesus. And this morning, uh, I read one that just felt fitting, and I'd love, if it was okay with you guys, to just read that for you and read that over you. So this is Psalm 27. It says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, we'll just go with that. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Should I fear anyone? The Lord is a fortress protecting my life. Should I be frightened of anything? When evildoers come at me trying to eat me up, it's they, my foes and my enemies, who stumble and fall. If an army camps against me, my heart won't be afraid. If war comes against me, I will continue to trust in this. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's all that I seek. To live in the Lord's house all the days of my life, seeing the Lord's beauty and constantly adoring his temple because he will shelter me in his own dwelling during troubling times. He will hide me in a secret place in his own tent. He will set me up high, safe on a rock. Lord, listen to my voice when I cry out. Have mercy on me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Lord, I do seek your face. Please don't hide it from me. Don't push your servant aside. Angrily, you have been my help. God saves me. Don't leave me all alone. 
Even if my father and mother left me all alone, the Lord would take me in. Lord, teach me your way. Because of my opponents, lead me on a good path. Don't give me over to the desire of my enemies because false witnesses and violent accusers have taken their stand against me. But I have sure faith that I will experience the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. So what's different about this bachelor one-on-one date is that we will not be headed to a firework show or a private concert after this, unfortunately. But you are going to go to small group, hopefully, if that's something that you're connected to. And my hope for you, for everyone in this room, is that maybe you'd be challenged tonight to share a part of your story, even if it's a small part. And that story may have nothing to do with God, and that's okay. But I know that every person in this room, you have a story And if you're willing to share that story, you can experience what it's like to be fully known and fully loved. I fully believe that.